Which instructor is good for me and what should I look for when selecting an instructor? What are the best ways to prepare for an upcoming check ride or flight test? What job prospects are there for 40 plus year olds? And glass cockpit versus analog, high wing versus low, fixed or retractable gear. What aircraft should you choose for your flight training? I answer all these questions and more coming right up. So strap in and let's get into it. G'day and welcome to episode 31 of Flight Training Australia, the podcast all about flight training and flying in Australia and beyond. I'm your host Trent Robinson and thank you for joining me. Been a busy week, things are definitely starting to uh, get busier in the flight training and charter scene. I know uh, just looking out at uh, the activity Darwin at the moment, FIFO and uh, trips back out to communities and uh, abroad are getting more and more regular again. I've uh, just had the football final at the Tiwis and uh, everyone flying over there to enjoy the festivities of the day. Definitely a lot more activity. Heap of movement going on. Everyone's uh, doing a lot of check and training and getting ready for new careers and hopefully those resumes are looking good and you are getting some success with the jobs that you're going for. So it's really great to see things uh, picking up and that all feeds into a few of the topics that we've got talking about today. So the first one is to deal with a question I've received from Ella. Ella's down in Perth, in West Australia there. She's just started her flight training at Goldfields Air Services for the guys down there. So g'day, everyone. And Ella's asking for some advice on uh, how to pick an instructor, which is a great question. I have touched on this a little bit in the Learn to Fly episode, but in particular, you've got to try and pick someone that gels with you. All right, so there's a lot of great instructors out there. Sometimes there's some personality clashes. So have a think about the kind of person that you like to deal with and how you like to be taught and go and check out some of the schools. Now, you may only have one local flying school nearby. You might be lucky and you're in a busier city centre and have a number of flight schools to choose from. So if you're in that position, go check them out. Have a talk to a few. Now, obviously, who's around on the day is going to depend on who you sort of can get to check out and assess, but go and have a talk to them. Talk about your training, see how they respond, see how they answer your questions. And if you find someone that you think you like, then either organise to do a trial introductory flight with them or just go ahead and book your first lesson. You might be able to pick a couple through those first few flights and really gel and uh, find someone that you really get along with and, and really like flying with. Right, but just remember, just like if you're going to buy a car or a TV or a new laptop or iPad, you're not just going to go and grab the first one that's put in front of your face. You're going to do a bit of research. You're going to go and check them out, and this is no different. Who, who you choose to do your flight training with is really, really important, and you want to try and have two instructors who you see regularly if possible. You don't want to end up with doing six, seven, or eight. Sometimes, unfortunately, this happens because people move on um, for the reasons that I just mentioned before. But if you've got two people that are going to be hanging around for a little while at least, 
that would be fantastic to give some regularity and, and routine to your flight training. So good luck, Ella. Hope it all goes well for you. Uh, next email I got is from Sanji, and Sanji's got uh, flight tests coming up and just asking the best way to prepare for flight tests and, again, uh, chief pilot checks, check flights, all these things, they really all fall into the same umbrella. So the first thing you need to do is know what's going to be in the assessment. So whether it's a flight test, a uh, line check, a job interview in the sim, whatever it is, find out as much information as you can about what is in the check flight. There's nothing worse than sitting on the runway threshold and saying something like, okay, show me a short field landing, and they turn around and look at a uh, takeoff, rather, and they turn around to look at you going, what's that? Or, gee, I haven't done one of those since, uh, yeah, like a long time ago. All right, so when we're doing flight tests, there are flight test forms. I don't make it up. I do what's on the flight test form. That's what I have to see. So there's no mystery about it. Get a copy of the applicable flight test form, the check flight format, as much information as you can. Now, obviously, as you get further on down the line, things get a little bit more mysterious. But at the end of the day, you can always expect a little bit of general handling and an approach or an instrument approach if you're doing a job application or an assessment flight. Right? If it's a flight test, well, everything's there on the form. As I've mentioned in other episodes, prior preparation prevents poor performance, right? The five Ps. Learn the aeroplane. Learn the speeds. Learn the checklists. Learn the QRH, the quick reference handbooks. Phase one, phase two checks. Everything that's going to be in the assessment or could be accessible, make sure you are up to speed and knowledgeable. Not knowing is no excuse. I've had quite a few people recently um, come up for, uh, hey, I haven't flown for ages. Can I just do a quick check flight and way behind the ball? You need to try and keep your flying skills up somehow. Now, I know it's really hard, especially if you finish flight training, you're low on cash, you're relocating, chasing that elusive job, but you've got to keep your skills and your knowledge up somehow. So make sure you do that. Do some uh, time with a good instructor, especially if it's in an area that you're unfamiliar with. Get used to the airspace, the uh, the aerodrome operations, the local uh, waypoints and features and systems and processes, and in turn get to meet a few people around that can advise you uh, a little bit more about what's going on in the area as well if it's a, a job if it's a flight test, remember all the standards are in the manual of standards on the flight test forms. Ask your instructor if you're not sure, and that is exactly what the examiner is going to be using to uh, situate the flight test, uh, facilitate the flight test rather, and all the standards that you need to meet and the performance criteria. So jump on that and have a good look, and good luck, everyone. All right, the next email is uh, from Alex, and Alex is just saying that he's got about 800 hours now. Um, he's going to be doing his flight instructor rating soon and just really wondering about age requirements and chances of joining the airlines in Australia as a 40-plus-year-old um, and all overseas. 
So, yeah, thanks, Alex. Look, great question. And the answer is varied and sometimes not always what you want to hear. The honest truth is probably looking at the main mainline airlines, it's getting a bit late unless the hours that you have are sort of commensurate with your age is the general rule of thumb. So if you're a 40-year-old, you'd expect to have a couple of thousand hours maybe by then and that would be all right. So it's not an absolute no, but you've got to remember if an airline's going to pump, um, you know, upwards of a million dollars into you over a period of time uh, for type ratings and training and everything else, they, they want to be able to get a return on investment. So, yeah, look, mainline airlines, it's starting, the time is, is ticking. You're starting to run out of time. Regional airlines, uh, aeromedical, corporate, all that sort of thing, no dramas. Get the right hours and experience, good good amount of multi-time, night time and instrument time, remote operations. Um, that will speak volumes for you. As far as the best way to go and get those hours, look, you've just got to go where the work is. That can be very difficult if you've got a family. Uh, it could be very disruptive and, and difficult and, you know, unfortunately has led to a lot of relationship breakdowns uh, because of that that constant tussle as to what to do. But there can be always work in the local area potentially and instructing is a good way to find that. It's been a little bit hard the last couple of years, but as of now, things are all starting to return back to normal. So instructing is a way to get work, stay in the local area, but you need to try not to stagnate too much. You don't want to be sitting there stuck on a signal, a single for too long. You need to be getting a mixture of hours. So try and get that twin happening, get the multi-engine rating, get the instrument rating, uh, which will allow you to do that. And if if instructing and you can't get like a multi-engine instrument rating training endorsement isn't an option, then look at local charter operators that you might be able to uh, bridge across to to get some of those hours and expect to do a bit of time in a single-engine aircraft as well. Don't think just because you've got a 1,000 single uh, instructing that you've you've skipped all that initial part. Going out doing charter, very different. Um, You need to learn the ropes and go do that for three to six months. Usually won't be too long before you're ready to move up onto something else. But learn the process, learn the system, and really just got to be prepared to go where that work is. All the best, Alex. Thanks for listening and your kind words. I really appreciate that. All right, and the final one is, again, I've sort of been touching on it in the past a bit, but it just still seems to come up, and aircraft selection during training. Sometimes you don't have a whole heap of say in it because the school you're going to is uh, operating what they're operating, and you either like that or not. There's no real right or wrong aircraft to learn or train in. Where it starts to become a problem, though, is if you're training in the same aircraft or same type uh, and there's very little difference between them. So you really want to try and get some variety. Variety is the key. If you can get a mixture of fixed uh, gear and retractable, fixed pitch and manual propeller pitch control, CSU, uh, high wing and low wing, glass and analog. You know, that, that's going to give you the best all-round 
capabilities and exposure to things. We've got some people that have just been flying diamonds and Cessnas are just confusing them. And again, it's all flying, basic aeroplanes, but it's just, it's just enough to throw them. If you've learnt on full glass cockpit and now you're trying to bridge across to analog cockpit, again, it can just be enough to go, oh, it just takes time. Now, it's not a, it's not a big drama. But if that's the first time you're getting exposed to it when you're trying to do a job interview, check flight, probably not the best idea. So you need to get yourself onto a simulator, get yourself into a real aeroplane and expose yourself to the differences. Do a bit of reading, do a bit of Googling and, yeah, just fork out a couple of hours worth of flying with an instructor um, or a mate or whatever it is and go and get some time behind the wheel and get familiar with the aeroplane, the differences in the handling, how it tends to float or reacts to power changes and pitch attitudes and everything else. And you'll just be fine, all right? You'll be just fine. But don't think that because you've flown one aircraft type that that counts you out. You just need to put a little bit of work in. But try and take opportunities to get exposure to different aircraft as you go along and it will help you greatly. All right. Thank you, everyone, for your messages. Um, emails, again, you can contact me, info at trentrobinsonaviation.com.au and flick that through whenever you like. I'll try to respond to everybody and either in full or just say, yep, got your message, and I'll cover that in a future episode as I have done today. Remember, I'm trying to do two of these a month, uh, one or two, again, just subject to work. Things are getting very busy again. So I'll try and keep the routine happening and keep the content coming. Got some really great interviews coming up. As I've mentioned, um, spoke to Harrison Burns Fab just the other day. Uh, he's from the Bureau of Met, and we're going to talk about dry season weather, uh, the winds, fogs, um, smoke, and uh, a few other bits and pieces. So really interesting uh, in- interview there if you are into Met. So check that out. That is coming out next Monday and some other really great topics and content uh, coming your way soon. So send through the ideas. Make sure you like and subscribe so you get the alerts. Jump across onto Patreon, have a look there. And again, there's three membership tiers that you can join and support the show um, in the costs involved with getting everything running and allows me to basically spend a bit more time doing all this um, instead of flying so patreon.com forward slash flight training australia all right everybody clear skies remember the golden rule aviate navigate communicate see you next time cheers